Happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Let's just get the national championship out of the way. It was varsity versus not even JV. It was varsity versus like junior high students. That Georgia performance versus TCU was just incredible, but it was embarrassing for TCU. TCU did great to get that far, but Georgia's just another animal. And no wonder the Bulldogs now have back-to-back national championships under Kirby Smart. They're pretty much now Alabama East, and they're going to rival Bama and maybe LSU for SEC supremacy the next handful of years. Maybe if A&M can sneak in there too. I don't know. But bottom line is Georgia flat-out dominated. Wasn't close. The real national championship was the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. And, uh, you know, it just shows that even with the 12-team playoff, I still think there's going to be the same teams year in and year out, a la SEC and Ohio State and maybe Clemson, that you eventually get to the final six or the final four in this case, then it, you're still going to have the same teams going going for the national championship eventually. So congrats to Georgia. Stetson Bennett finishes as one of the best quarterbacks in Georgia history, arguably the best quarterback in Georgia history and one of the most uh, accomplished college football players of all time. Um, Insane record, back-to-back national championships, winning MVPs in all four playoff games that he started in. Just absolutely incredible from Stetson Bennett. Considering that many people 13, 14 months ago were considered – we're calling for JT Daniels to start over start over him for Georgia last year during the playoff. But Stetson Bennett, he's just calm, cool, poised, under pressure. He delivered, and uh, Georgia, Georgia lifted another national championship trophy. And that's, you know, that it makes the difference having, you know, almost 80% of your roster filled with four or five-star recruits and as compared to TCU, which had less than 30% of its roster comprised of four and five star athletes. So what more is there to say? Georgia kicked TCU's ass and we go into another offseason wondering if really the 12 team playoffs gonna really increase parity or not, or if it's just gonna you're just gonna have the same elite SEC teams plus Ohio State Clemson and maybe USC or someone else just end up dominating just on a larger scale. I don't know, but uh, congrats to Georgia. Uh, Kirby smart sec- second straight national championship. Um, and uh, the dynasty is, if not started is now definitely started in Athens, Georgia. Okay. So this weekend is super Wild Card weekend in the NFL. Um, meaning there are seven teams from each conference, 14 teams total playing in a total of uh, six games to determine who will take on um, the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC and the Eagles in the NFC, and then um, the other games will sort themselves out, um, depend- and that will determine the other matchups, not involving the number one seeds. The number one seeds, um, still important because those teams get a week off this week off, and the two through the seven seeds have to play. So while that is a strain on some of the teams, honestly, a few of these matchups is pretty straightforward for some teams. So let's start with the Saturday game. So first game up, 
you got the Seattle Seahawks taking on the San Francisco 49ers down in the Bay Area. Uh, the 49ers are nine-point favorites at home. The over-under is 42. Kicks off tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox. So the Niners, two-seed, Seahawks, seven-seed. The Seahawks, the only reason they are here is because Green Bay flat-out choked against the Lions on Sunday night football on Sunday night. And uh, they, so they're kind of here by luck or kind of by default. Um, now, credit to them for getting it done in overtime versus the Rams, but that was against a bad Rams team at home. So they were ex- kind of expected to win, but it took a lot for them to win that game. Um, and the 49ers, they handled their business in week 18. And they come into the postseason looking like one of the best rosters and teams overall left in the field. So let's start with Seattle. So this has been a renaissance year for one player in particular on the Seahawks. And that, my friends, is quarterback Geno Smith. Geno Smith, if you do not know, came into the league roughly a decade ago um, out of West Virginia. Phenomenally talented college quarterback. I remember, you know, watching Geno in college and he was just one of the most gifted pastors in the country during his time. And he was thought of to be, Hey, you know, a decent pro prospect, but his time in the NFL, you know, he's had stints with the jets, the bills, like other teams. He's just bounced all over the place. And many people were considered have now before this year, considered him a big time bust. And he just never produced in the NFL. Like he was thought of to at one point, but this season, He did something quite remarkable, and it's amazing to see him do this considering the fact that he stepped in for Russell Wilson after Wilson got traded uh, to the Broncos, and everybody thought that the Seahawks were just going to be this bottom feeder team competing for a top five draft pick. They would win three, maybe four games at most in in a super tough NFC West, and lo and behold, they finish uh, second in that division and finish with a winning record at nine and eight. So, and a large reason due to that is because Geno Smith completed 70% of his passes this year, which led the NFL better than Mahomes, better than Allen, better than Burrow, you name it. He beat every other quarterback in completion percentage. Absolutely amazing. And, this year, he had a rookie running back out of Michigan State, Kenneth Walker III, who definitely fits the Seahawks' style of ball. You run it, you limit turnovers, you play good defense, even though their defense can't really stop their run. But Pete Carroll is old school um, in nature, and he's old school in the style that he runs football. Uh, just ground and pound and uh, limit turnovers and everything else that goes with that. So... Not to mention that Seattle made it here, but they still got a top five pick because the Broncos sucked this year straight up with Russell Wilson. And nobody in the offseason thought that the Broncos would suck this bad. And no one thought that the Seahawks would finish with a winning record and get into the playoffs. So there's a reason that you play the games and not just talk about it and put it down on paper. Um, So as for bottom line, Seattle... They're overachievers this year, um, but against the 49ers, they're not going to win. Here's why. 
Christian McCaffrey, still one of the most elite playmakers in the league at the running back spot. The 49ers defense is arguably the best in the league, led by Nick Bosa on the defensive line, who could win defensive player of the year. Fred Warner, their their best linebacker. And not to mention their quarterback, Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft out of, out of Iowa State this year. Um, since week 14, when he came in for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo, he has led the NFL in passer rating with 119. So all he's done is uh, perform well and have insane stats. Now, a lot of people will say it's because the 49ers have a stacked roster and he has all the weapons. He has George Kittle, he has Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, you name it. He has pretty much everything you want a quarterback to have. And Kyle Shanahan, not to mention one of the best play callers in the sport. Um, But there have been quarterbacks with great systems around them and they don't take advantage of it. And Brock Purdy is just running with his chance and making the best of it. And with that, all that being said, the 49ers, every indication points to them winning this game at home, better roster, better play on both sides of the ball. See the Seattle Seahawks. Great story for them this year, overcoming massive odds, um, overachieving with nine wins, but uh, it's just, they don't have the talent to keep up with the 49ers. So the 49ers get the dub at home, move on to the divisional route, and they will cover the nine-point spread in the end. And then the Saturday night primetime matchup is the number five seed LA Chargers in the AFC and the number four seed Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville, in Duval, over under 47 and a half. Chargers actually point and a half favorites on the road. Um, kickoff at 7.15 p.m. Central on NBC. Chargers coming in at 10 7. Jaguars are AFC South champions at 9-8. and eight. Um, Let's start with the Chargers. So it came out today, breaking news, that Mike Williams, one of their better receivers, is out. So Justin Herbert now has one less up weapon to work with. He does still have Keenan Allen, who has some of the best hands in the league. And he also has Austin Eckler, who he can check it down to. And Austin Eckler is one of the better running backs in the league that no one really talks about much. Um, and... They've won four of their past five games the Chargers have. Now, granted, it's not against super elite competition. So that remains to be seen how how they do on the road against an East Coast team. But the defense has been getting healthy. And Brandon Staley appears to be making better decisions as a head coach. Who would have thought? Um, But as for the Jaguars, so... Trevor Lawrence, from his rookie year to now, what an improvement. Um, you can pretty much throw his rookie season out the window because with Urban Meyer, there was no way for him to really do much of anything in that situation and system. But he's progressed significantly this year under Doug Peterson's uh, tutelage and leadership. The defense for the Jaguars is much improved. They won seven of the past nine games. Um in fact, back in all the way back in week three in September of uh, 2022, they beat the Chargers 38 to 10 in Los Angeles. So I'm sure the Jaguars are going through the tape. And I'm sure the Chargers are too to make sure that they correct their mistakes. But, and Travis Etienne, not to mention, is a great weapon for the Jaguars as well, that they utilize him quite a bit. I just think I'm going with the home dog. Uh, in an upset. I think the Jaguars, um, two great elite, good young elite quarterbacks, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence going at it. 
But I think the Jaguars at home, they're playing with more momentum. Um, and the Chargers, they just have a history of choking games where everything's going right for them and they just collapse at the end. Not They're not Falcons-level choke, but they're right below it in terms of just throwing games out the window where they should have won. Um, and I think Brandon Staley is going to make a stupid coaching mistake and that's going to cost the Chargers the game and probably cost him his job and allowing Sean Payton to walk in the building. But that's another story for another day. Jaguars, they get the home playoff win uh, with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, and they will move on to the divisional round. Um, I'm counting on them to get in the upset. Okay, now moving to Sunday's game. So the next game, um, Dolphins at Bills. Uh, Dolphins very neutered right now. Um, without uh, Tua Tagovailoa starting, he he's had three concussions this year, and many people are starting to wondering if he's going to. Re- many people are starting to wonder if he's going to retire in the off season, but that's again another story for another day. Um, and the Bills, they're home favorites for sure, but it's gone up to thirteen and a half now. Um, the Dolphins are starting Skylar Thompson, their third street quarterback, cornerback, quarterback, excuse me. Um, and yeah, kicks off noon CBS over in 43 and a half. The Dolphins straight up, they've had quite the roller coaster season. Um, they've lost five of the last six. Um, they were just never really consistent throughout the year. I mean, when Tua started the first, like, you know, eight or nine games, when he started, the, the Dolphins did good. They were great. They were looking like a Super Bowl contender. But once the weather turned cold and, you know, players start getting hurt then and Tua went down then it was just not it was just not meant to be for the Dolphins and I know they have Tyree Kill and Jalen Watt on the outside but you can only do so much when you're when you're limited at quarterback in this NFL and on the other side for the Bills um what more is there to say Josh Allen arguably the best quarterback in the sport Stefan Diggs arguably the best wide receiver in the sport and just their offense overall is just elite their defense is great, even though they lost Von Miller a few weeks back. Still great. They could get Micah Hyde back if they win this game, which I think they will. Um, the Bills have won 10 of their past 11 home games versus the Dolphins, so there's history with them owning the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins went to Buffalo a few, a few weeks ago and kept it close for most of the game. Why? Because they ran the football, and the Bills have shown at times that they can't stop the run. So... The only way I see the Dolphins competing in this game is if they stop, if they just run, run the ball. Um, they, I think they averaged like seven yards a carry versus the Bills in that game. So you're going to have to do that to help out Skylar Thompson. Otherwise, it's just going to be a long day for the Dolphins. Um, I think the Bills win and cover anyway, um, but there's your formula for the Dolphins to win. But then again, the Bills, they're more talented and they're, I think they're a little bit healthier, too. Okay, Sunday afternoon game. Giants at Vikings. 3.30 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Vikings are field goal favorites at home over in this 48. So the Giants are the sixth seed, and the Vikings are the three seed. So the Vikings and the Giants, they actually met uh, back on Christmas Eve, and the Vikings won like 27-24, and the only reason they won is because of a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer. Um And let me just, one stat is all you need to know about the Vikings. Minus three. That is their point differential. Minus three. And that is by far 
the worst point differential for a 13-win team in NFL history. The next worst was like the 2019 Packers who had a plus 63, I think, point differential. So that just screams that the Vikings, they are not legitimate contenders. Um, And that's why most of the media in America doesn't really take them seriously. I get that they have Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the game, but their defense is just not great. Um, They came back against the Colts for the largest, largest comeback in NFL history. But frankly, that shouldn't have happened in an NFL game. Um, and Kirk Cousins, he's played great this year. They're great in close games, but Kirk Cousins historically has not played well under the bright lights. And it's not a primetime game, but it's definitely a playoff game. And all the lights will be on the Vikings because they're at home. They're favored um, against the Giants. Now, speaking of the Giants, Saquon Barkley has been healthy all year, and that's allowed him to show why he was selected number two in the draft a few years ago. He is just such a transcendent talent at the running back spot. He can do it all, run, catch, whatever you want to do with him on offense, he can do. And Daniel Jones has shown quite the improvement this year under Brian Dable. And if he can win one or two playoff games, he can expect to be the Giants starters for the Giants starting quarterback for at least another season. And not to mention he gets a payday. Um, so that's an interesting storyline to follow. But back on Christmas Eve, when the Giants came to Minnesota, they put up quite the offensive explosion on the Vikings. They had over 450 yards of offense, even though they lost. So they can move the ball versus this Vikings defense. And and the Giants defense, too, is well-disciplined. They're, they're, except for Kayvon Thibodeau against Joe Flacco. But their defense is improved greatly. Um, and Brian Dable, he just, he has steadied this rocking boat that has been the Giants franchise for as long as I can remember. I was never alive when the Giants were, were really, really good. But, you know, other than the Eli Manning Super Bowl years, the Giants have really had no real hope in a season. But this year, this year under Brian Dable, they're, they're doing something. The, which is a lot better than they've been doing the past few years, for sure. So with all of that being said, I am going with the New York Giants in an upset because some, at some point, I think the Vikings' um, tendency to play from behind is going to catch up to them. Uh, the close game is not going to go their way. And I think the Giants, they are playing with house money. All the pressure in this game is on the Vikings to deliver because they've won 13 games. And some people think they're legitimate contenders and they're expected to deliver, but I just trust the Giants more. And um, they're motivated too also because they lost to the Vikings back on Christmas Eve anyway. So tack on more more motivation for the Giants. So New York Giants over the, over the Minnesota Vikings in the wildcard round to get to the divisional. And then the Sunday night matchup. So this is Ravens-Bengals round three in Cincinnati. The Bengals are... Eight and a half point favorites over under 40 and a half kicks off Sunday night at 7 15 p.m. on NBC. Um, if Lamar Jackson plays, I don't know how well he's going to play, but if he doesn't play, there is no chance the Ravens win this game. Um, they cannot hold a lead to save their life. Um, and not to mention also Lamar Jackson's one and three in his postseason career, so he's not a great performer in the postseason anyway. And the Bengals, they won. As for the Bengals, 
in contrast to the Ravens' broken offense, their offense is one of the best in the league. They've won eight straight games. Their O-line has drastically improved throughout the season and, and compared to last year, too. The Bengals' defense is underrated, not really heralded, but uh, gets job gets the job done in spots. Joe Burrow, what else can you say? One of the best quarterbacks in the game. Jamar Chase, one of the best receivers in the game. Still had 1,000 yards, even though he missed several games during the season. And you got T. Higgins, Tyler Bort, and all that whole offense with Joe Mixon and Samaji Pirain at the running back position too, not to mention. Um, so the Bengals, I don't see how they lose this game. I I, I really don't. I, I think the Bengals will win and cover versus the Ravens and move on to the divisional. That's really all I got to say because the Ravens, they're broken offensively and Lamar Jackson ain't going to save them at this point. And then the Monday night affair between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Tampa. Over-under is 45 and a half. The, the boys are two and a half point favorites. Um, kickoff at 7.15 p.m. on Monday night. ESPN, ABC, ESPN Plus, all those networks. Um, Cowboys 12 and 5. Absolutely embarrassing performance last week versus the Washington Commanders, um, the Buccaneers. They had already clinched the division, so they didn't really play very hard and didn't really play their stars very long versus Atlanta. So that's why they finished with a losing record. But Buccaneers still are NFC South division champs, and that's saying a lot because that division was a tire fire. So let's first start with the Cowboys. Um, let's talk about Dak Prescott because, you know, Everyone talks about the Dallas running game, and we know, acknowledge Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott are key cogs in the in the Cowboys' offensive attack. But Dak Prescott, he only played 12 games this season because, you know, Cooper Rush filled in for him, and he did a pretty damn good job, Cooper Rush did, in place of Dak. Um, but in the 12 games that Dak played, he still set uh, – he still threw the most interceptions in the league this season at 15. It's just something about Dak, especially the second half of the season. He just had a turnover in virtually every game he played. I don't know what it is. Um, if you're a Cowboys fan and you know more, then hit me up because I'm why why is Dak turning the ball over so much where in a system where the Cowboys win by running the ball and limiting turnovers while making big plays to CeeDee Lamb and others? I don't know, but the Cowboys also on the other side of the ball in defense boast arguably the best pass rush in the game led by Micah Parsons and Marcus Lawrence and company, and they get the job done most of the time, but the Cowboys also the past few games haven't been getting much, haven't been getting very, very much uh, after the quarterback. They've had very few sacks the past few games. Um, so, and I think Tom Brady is like, well, I, I get my center Ryan Jansen back. And if I get, you know, screens out wide to Leonard Fournette, quick passes on the outside of Mike Evans and whatnot, then maybe I can neutralize some of that pass rush and get them tired and eventually hit them over the top. And the Cowboys secondary is not known for their elite, uh, um, play and their secondary has cost them a few games in recent history. 
um, a la uh, Anthony Brown. Anyway, so also the Cowboys, all of their losses this season have been on the road. And the last time they re- they won a playoff game on the road was all the way uh, over 30 years ago in 1992. So they are favored, yes, but they're going against the greatest player of all time, Tom Brady, in Tampa Bay, where let's say the Buccaneers have just, they beat the Cowboys in in Arlington 19. I know that was all the way back in week one to be in September, but they they had the the Bucks had to have seen something for them to limit the Cowboys to three points. Now, granted the Cowboys offense has exploded for big performances this year, but 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 the Buccaneers, I think, have a poor mouth. As regards for the game itself, I'm going with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They've been playing like trash, I know, against trash competition. But it's Tom Brady, and it's the playoffs, and he has he's won more playoff games individually than anyone else, and he could break the record this postseason for the most in NFL history, better than any other franchise, including the Patriots, who have the most, considering that he was there forever. Um, but I, I just trust Tom Brady more, and the Cowboys, What, as Stephen A. Smith says, what can go on can go wrong, will go wrong. The accident waiting to happen, the Dallas Cowboys, and they will go down again. And people are going and they're going to be calling for Mike McCarthy's head and Sean Payton to slide into Dallas. But do, do, do you really think Sean Payton wants to be um, tossed around like a puppet or put around like a puppet by Jerry Jones? I don't think so, but that's, that's further down the line. But Buccaneers take down the Cowboys in Tampa and they will move on to the divisional route. All right, a few more notes before I head out. Um, the Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury. No, no real surprise there. The Cardinals were arguably the worst team in the sport this year, even though the Texans had a worse record. The Cardinals, the way they finished out the season, it was just absolutely embarrassing to watch. Cliff Kingsbury, loser at the college level, losing record two in the NFL. Um, and who's going to master Kyler, Kyler Murray? Uh, who's going to uh, make him not play video games? Who knows? But uh, the Cardinals have some soul-searching and coach-searching to do in the offseason. Texans got rid of Lovey Smith. No surprise, considering he wasn't really a long-term solution at all. Um, so I hopefully the Texans, they draft Bryce Young, and they will go um, get uh, like a fill, you know, an offensive coordinator somewhere to coach up Bryce Young. Um, and to stick it to the Texans, the Lovey Smith won the last game on a hit uh, versus the Colts, and it cost them the number one pick. Now, granted, the, the Bears don't need a quarterback. They have Justin Fields, but still, you know, Lovey Smith stuck it to him, basically, but he did not deserve to keep his job. He just, no, just see a Lovey. Um, Sean McVay, there were rumors of him um, not coaching after this season, but he told the Rams today that he is back to coaching them. So honestly, the Rams, they had a down year. Um, it was pretty bad. The worst season by a defending Super Bowl champion by far in, in NFL history. But um, I still think, uh, I still think the Rams have something in. They still have the talent. Matthew Stafford will come back fully healthy. Cooper couple too. 
uh, the rest, rest of the Rams receiving court, and I think they'll do a lot better than uh, they did this year. I'll just say that right now. Um, so the Carlos Correa fiasco um, appears to be over now. He is now signed with the Minnesota Twins, the team he originally left this offseason because he got 12-year offers from the Giants, then, then the Mets, and then the physical with the Mets didn't go through. And now he is back with Minnesota on a new contract for six years and $200 million flat. So Correa gets his money, but the Twins, they're not really a team I see making much noise in the AL. And I, you know, you know I, they, for all I know, they could win the AL Central, but um, I still think the Astros are better and so are the Yankees. And either of those teams would destroy the Twins in a series, no matter where, where, or when they play. All right, guys. Thanks for checking out the episode. Really appreciate the support. I'm excited to get these NFL playoffs underway this weekend. And um, hope you're able to watch and enjoy the games as well. And I will talk to you in the next one. Take care.